Today's passage is Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's a pretty on-point video, huh? <clears throat> well, uh, this morning, before we turn our attention to the Word, I'd like to take a moment and, uh, and pray for our nation. This has been a difficult week for our country. Um, we've seen the continuation of devastating wildfires on our coast. Uh, we've seen, um, you know, a presidential debate that caused a lot of unease for many that were watching. Um, COVID-19 is still very much a, a danger, and of course, we now know that the president, many members of his family, his staff, and many members of Congress have all tested positive for the disease. And I don't know that I'm smart enough, or, or to be perfectly honest, unbiased enough to tell you what all of this means politically, um, but I can tell you that I believe that Scripture is clear that the people of God should pray in times like these and pray for His wisdom and His grace and His mercy and His blessing. So I want to do that now, and, and I hope that you all uh, join me as we turn to prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are not able to comprehend the why of so many things that are going on in our country at this time, why people are losing their homes, why people are losing their lives, why there is a dangerous disease that we still have not found a way to overcome. We can only turn to you and pray. And in doing so, it is good for us to recognize that seeking you is indeed the most powerful thing that we can do. The news of President Trump's COVID diagnosis, along with the same diagnosis for his wife, members of his family, and those who work closely with him, came as a shock to many of us. And yet we know that you are sovereign over this moment, and we know that you, st you are still a God of mercy and healing. And so we pray that the president and his loved ones and his co-workers would all be able to make a full recovery and return to good health. And this prayer, God, extends to all of those who are suffering from this disease. We cry out to you for an end to this pandemic, for a breakthrough in treatments and a vaccine, and for the restoration of our world so that we can go back to handshakes and hugs and smiles all around. This prayer only touches lightly on the suffering that has come to so many during this pandemic, Lord, but you know the depths of our need and the full amount of our loss and our heart's desire for restoration. And as we wait for your timing and all the, on all of these hopes, please, God, make us people that will go into this suffering world with the love and compassion and understanding that you have shown to us and taught us to have for others. <clears throat> it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I spent an unusually large amount of time this past week uh, learning about sheep and the shepherding practices, both ancient and modern, of the people living in the area of Palestine. I learned uh, that shepherds really are quite incredibly skilled workers. The men and women who take on this job have extensive knowledge of the land around them and, and the land that's available for grazing. They have to work hard at developing strong, trusting relationships with their sheep. And they encounter both wild and environmental dangers every single day that they go out. 
They have to be strong enough to dig out channels away from rivers to create calm waters for sheep to drink at. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. But at the same time, they need to be gentle enough to soothe and comfort perhaps even a dozen animals that are easily spooked all at once. It can be a very rugged, isolating, and even times thankless job. Sheep, after all, after all, are not exactly known for expressing their thankfulness. Still, it is extremely important work because without shepherds, sheep wouldn't last very long as they wandered off into the dangers of the wilderness. They need someone to take care of them every single moment of every single day. They need a good shepherd. Last week, we began a new series called Life Without Lack. And over the next few weeks, we will be moving verse by verse through Psalm 23 to consider the incredible promises there and how it teaches us that God truly is the source of everything that we need. Pastor Steve kicked things off by looking at Psalm 23.1, where King David, who wrote many of the Psalms, boldly declares, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The rest of Psalm 23, including verse 2, which will be our focus for today, further explains this idea of God being a shepherd to David and to you and to me. Those of you who were here with us last week might remember that Pastor Steve said that the character of a shepherd that David was ascribing to God included such things as being a provider, a protector, a rescuer, and a comforter. God as shepherd is extremely good news for all of us who, more often than not, are very much like lost sheep who have wandered off into the wilderness, who need to be found by our shepherd and once found be brought back into the beloved flock and under the watchful eye of our Lord. But the good news of God being our good shepherd doesn't stop there because the power and the promise and the beauty of Psalm 23 is, is increased exponentially when we reach the New Testament and we find that Jesus ascribes the same character, the same role, the same responsibilities to himself and the way that he cares for the people around him and those who choose to follow him. Twice in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then again, just a few verses later, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Psalm 23 is not just a praise-filled description of God the Father. It tells us about the shepherd heart of God the Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, as well. And with the help of Jesus' teachings from the Gospels, we can see that Psalm 23, 1 applies to Jesus and tells us that he's the good shepherd who loves us so much that we shall not want. And then 23, verse 2, which we're looking at today, goes on to explain just exactly what that means, or a little bit more about what that means. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The explicit message of Psalm 23, verse 2, is that the shepherd, who is Jesus, promises to provide us with what we truly need, to settle us down in a place we can safely rest, and to lead us to a place where our thirst can truly be quenched. Jesus provides us with what we truly need. He settles us down in a place where we can safely rest and leads us to a place where our thirst really can be quenched. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. As I said earlier, I learned quite a bit about sheep and shepherding this week, and it turns out that a little bit of context, a few details, can bring to light a lot of interesting and, and, and uh, insightful things that likely would have been common knowledge to David's contemporaries as they, as they read or heard this verse, but are lost uh, on many of us, especially if you're like me and grew up in the suburbs where a lot of animals was when a neighbor had more than two dogs or more than three cats. 
So verse 2 tells us that our shepherd-hearted God makes it possible for you and me to lie down in green pastures. And I have always assumed that this simply meant that God can be trusted to lead us into safe spaces and safe places where we can find rest. And it does mean that, but before we get to that truth, we need to first consider what exactly does it take to make a sheep comfortable enough to lie his bushy little body down in, in green, green grass. See, because over and over again, throughout several commentaries on all sorts of, all sorts of websites that I looked at to describe the, the behavior of sheep, one thing became very, very clear, and it's that, that nobody makes a sheep do anything very easily. They are, are picky, finicky, fickle creatures that before they reach a point where they're willing to lie down, they actually have to be well fed. They have to, they have to fill up. In fact, lying down is one of their, their primary ways that they start their digestion process. And so before you can make a sheep lie down in a pasture, you have to provide what they need for them. You have to, you have to fill them up. You have to provide the food that they need to feel happy and satisfied. And so a shepherd has to plan his or her day to move the sheep through the grazing land in such a way that they have the time to fill up, and then by the time they're filled up, they're ready to reach the pasture land where they can lie down in the green grass and rest. Sheep trust their shepherd to provide for this need every single day. And so looking back at verse 2 and looking at our question, how does God make us able to lie down in green pastures? The answer is that he provides you, he provides all of us with what we truly need. He takes on the responsibility of making sure your deepest needs are met. And see, throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus do exactly this and teach exactly this in a variety of different ways. Jesus compassionately, compassionately engages the needs of people that he meets along, along the way and throughout his ministry. He heals the sick. He helps the blind recover their sight. At least twice, he fed several thousands of people. He has empathy for those who, who are, are in need. He, has, he, he offered loving correction to those who need to be brought back to the way of righteousness. He disregarded cultural norms and racial divides in order to befriend just about everyone he encountered. And then over and over again, he meets the immediate and the physical and the spiritual needs, the emotional needs of people that he encounters. And I believe he still does this today and wants us to do the same. I hope you all have had the same sort of interactions with God that I have had on several occasions where I reach out to the Lord in prayer and I tell him of my needs, I tell him of my pains, I tell him of the hard places in my life that need a compassionate touch, and I have found Jesus willing to do and offer exactly that. I don't always get exactly what I think I need, and that's oftentimes because I've confused a want with a need, and Jesus is very good about laying that out for me and helping me understand. But I do always find a caring and compassionate Savior who I trust listens and considers and acts according to my best interest, even when I don't necessarily know what my best interest actually is. But it's not just these immediate temporal needs that Jesus is determined to satisfy. He meets our deepest, our truest need, our need of redemption and salvation and reconciliation before God. What we need most of all is to know that we can get into the presence of our Heavenly Father. And thanks be to God, that is exactly what our Good Shepherd says He will do. In John chapter 10, Jesus answered some people who were talking to Him. They were asking Him about how to get into the presence of God. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and you have seen Him. Our good shepherd, Jesus, provides us with what we truly need, a way to be in the presence of God forever. 
He satisfies the deepest longing of our souls, a desire that is stitched into the very fabric of our creation. If you find yourself unsatisfied with this life, if you struggle to feel like you can find peace, that you can lay down in a green pasture, that you can find your place of still waters, perhaps ask yourself this question. Have you gone before the Lord to just be in his presence, to be satisfied by being in the presence of God? Or are you trying to use the Lord to acquire a worldly satisfaction that is, that is here today and gone tomorrow? Do you go into the presence of God? Do you seek out God to truly be with him and to be satisfied with him? Or are you just using him to try to get what you want? If Jesus' offer to come close to him and to be in the presence of God and the glorious presence of the Father doesn't seem like enough for you, then I beg you to reevaluate what you understand your truest needs actually are. Our deepest need in this life is to be close to God. Our deepest need in life is to be able to draw near to the Father, and that's exactly what our Good Shepherd provides for us. He provides us with what we truly need, and then he settles us down in green pastures and a place where we can safely rest. Most translations <clears throat> that you read, the NIV, ESV, New King James, are going to say something to, similar to what we have here in the NASB translation, which says that the shepherds make a sheep lie down. And this is the traditional translation. It's a perfectly fine translation, and it's an effort to stay true uh, to some tr tricky grammatical, uh, grammatical features in the original Hebrew. However, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, so the original Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word that is used is kataskino, which means to settle down or to rest. And so instead of makes, it says to, to settle down sheep in green pastures. And then there are several ancient Hebrew commentaries that when they look at Psalm 23, verse 2, they agree that what's the, the, the attitude or the spirit of what's going on here is to help sheep calm down and settle down in their green pastures, not to be coerced into a place of rest, but to, to lovingly and pastorally be led down. And so a shepherd, having satisfied the needs of his sheep, knows where to find the place where the sheep will be peaceful, will be comforted, and will be able to find some rest, not in a forceful way, but in a way out of love. Jesus knows where this is for us, too. Or rather, he knows who this is for us. In the New Testament, there is really only one place, one person we can go to to find true and lasting peace. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have never in my life been more familiar with weariness than I have been in 2020. Every day, it seems like there's a new bit of news, a new controversy, rising confirmed COVID cases, a friend I can't, I can't go see, I can't hug, I can't be with because of social distancing or quarantine, a trip I can't take, a vacation that's been called off, a loved one who is sick, someone that I've lost, an election that is coming up that has me stressed and confused and not being sure what to do, just on and on and on, just pouring on these ideas of, of, of just stress and worry, and it is so very wearying. And honestly, I have no idea how to respond to the simple greeting of how are you doing because it feels like how I'm doing could change minute to minute. And the absolute worst thing I've done in all of this, the worst response I've had to the challenges and trials that this year has brought is the withdrawal from the practices and disciplines that keep me close and connected to Jesus. He offers rest if I just come to him. But I get so caught up in the confusion of a world around me that I allow the sweet graces of time in the word 
and time in prayer and time in biblical community to slip away. I fall back into, into temporary distractions, things like Netflix or fantasy football or, or starting up some hobby. And, and while those things are, are healthy in moderation, they're perfectly fine things to engage in. When I use them as a way to seek peace, when I use them as a, a way to try to, to seek true peace in my life, they leave me wanting and wearier than I was when I began. Psalm 23 has been critically important for me to remember that I can't go anywhere else to find true and lasting peace other than Jesus. He alone knows the best pasture for our hearts. He alone is the best pasture. He is the best place. He is the best person to find rest. I took this photo a few years ago while walking through Washington Marlott Park. It's a park here in town uh, over on the West End. I'm sure many of you have been out there before. And uh, this, this is from a stretch of the trail on the far west end uh, where the hills kind of clear out, or the houses kind of clear out, and you could see more of the hills. There's more houses built there now than, than when I had taken this picture, but you could still see a lot more of the hills and a lot more of the tall grass, and when the sun comes through and hits it in just the right way, it lights up gold like this, and it's just very peaceful, very relaxing. It's my favorite part of the trail, and, and on the day where I took this picture, I was actually praying. I decided to, to go on a prayer walk. It's an extremely effective way to kind of get away from myself and just speak to the Lord and connect with the Lord. And uh, on this day, as, as I walked through the Flint Hills and the breeze was going through the grass and everything looked and sounded and felt just right, I, I was suddenly struck with this distinct, like, not my own sort of thought. Like, not quite a voice, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think I thought this up by myself. And what, what, I, what I thought, what I felt, what the message that came to me was, was that, that eternity, that heaven will be a lot and a little like this. Not so much necessarily the landscape or the weather. I hope there are more mountains in heaven than, than what we have here in Kansas. Uh, but what, what, what the sense I got is that it's the quiet, unbothered, unhurried peace that comes from being in a good place. That comes from being in conversation and communion with my God. The green pasture where we can lay down and find peace isn't a perfect place. It's a perfect person. It's being close to the Lord of all. So if you find yourself in need of rest, if you find yourself in need of a break, in need of a green pasture where you feel safe to lie down, then I beg you, don't go anywhere other than to the Lord. Don't go to any other place. Don't go to any other person than other than Jesus. He is gentle and humble of heart, and he knows exactly what you need in order to find true rest for your soul. He knows you need him. So our good shepherd provides us with what we truly need. He settles us down uh, where we can safely rest, and then he finds, and then he leads us to this place where we can truly find, find or we can truly quench, uh, quench the thirst that we have in our in our souls. I had absolutely no idea before this week that sheep do not like to drink from swift moving water. In fact, some sheep are so stubborn, or their their survival instincts are ratcheted up so high that even a little bit of a current is enough to make them walk away and, and not take the water that they need. And so shepherds, because of this, have to be willing to do a lot of hard work in order to find still calm waters for their sheep to be able to refresh themselves. And ancient, the, the shepherds in ancient Israel had to keep track of every well, every spring, every pool of water that could be found throughout the Judean countryside. But the thing about that is that wells and, and, wells and ponds and things like that can still dry up. And so not only did they have to know that, but they had to be willing, if, the, if all those options were, were not available, to go find a stream, to go find a river, and then dig a channel out of the earth so that the runoff would pool up still enough to where the sheep would actually come and drink the life-sustaining water that they needed. The shepherd had to do all of this hard work to make sure the sheep got what they needed to survive. 
And for some of you, I'm sure your wheels are already turning and you're starting to make little connections because there's stories that sound a whole lot like this in the New Testament. In fact, if you think back to when our good shepherd sat with a woman at the well and promised her a source of living water that would never run dry. Jesus told her that everyone who drinks from this water, they were sitting at a well, so everyone who drinks from the water of this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then as their conversation continued, the woman expressed her interest in this living water that Jesus had offered, and he revealed that what he was truly offering was himself, the Messiah, who would offer salvation to all people through the incredibly hard work and unconditional love and unimaginable sacrifice and indescribable miracle of the resurrection. There is no greater or calmer or quieter water than the soul-refreshing living water of Jesus Christ. Everything about Psalm 23 promises us that we're not looking for a place to become more comfortable. We're looking for a person, and that person is Jesus. It describes the redemptive relationship you need to have with him. He must become your good shepherd. The water of life and the labor of his hard work on the cross must become the thing that really leads you to true and lasting peace. He provides you with what you need. He brings you into the the peace and the presence of God, and he offers you eternal life through the wellspring of his love. This is the explicit message of Psalm 23 too. This is how our good shepherd, this is how good our good shepherd really is. All of this and even more is offered to those who believe. Which brings us to the implicit message, to the underlying message of Psalm 23 too. Because if there is a good shepherd, then there must be sheep. And if Jesus is the shepherd, then that makes us the sheep. So our task every single day is just, is just this, learn to love to follow the Lord. We have to learn to love to follow the Lord, to follow our good shepherd. The most fascinating thing I learned about sheep in this past week is that they can identify the specific voice of their own shepherd. I had no idea about that. Some of you who probably did not grow up in the suburbs know that, but uh, they, they know who they can trust. They know who they must listen for, and they know how to identify the sound of the one who it is safe for them to follow. Uh, a gentleman named Kenneth Bailey in his book, The Good Shepherd, tells a story uh, about a shepherd boy who had had his sheep confiscated by his government, and uh, they were out of his care for a number of weeks. And so finally, he got permission to, to go back and get them, and so he goes to the place where they had been kept, and, and they were actually being kept with a whole lot of other livestock, other sheep, other animals. And uh, the, the person in charge there told this young shepherd, he said, why don't you just take whatever, whatever number of sheep we took from you, it doesn't matter, and, and, just, and just be on your way. And the shepherd answered, I don't want any sheep. I want my sheep. And so the guy looks back at him and he says, well, good luck then, because we didn't keep them separated and we, we don't know where they are. So the shepherd boy steps out in front of all of these animals and he calls out. And one by one, his sheep start coming through all of the livestock and follow him out and follow that shepherd home. So the question this leaves us with is, do you know the voice of your good shepherd? Can you recognize Jesus' call? Because just like these sheep, Jesus says those who truly follow him, those who truly know him, ought to be able to hear his voice so completely, trust his voice so completely, that they will gladly walk out to his lead. In John chapter 10, it says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. 
He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus leads and we follow his satisfaction. He satisfies all of our needs. He is our place of true rest. He is the rest of our, or he is the source of our eternal living water. And so we have to learn to love, to follow his lead. Last week, Pastor Steve suggested that everyone try memorizing Psalm 23. And a part of the reason we decided to suggest that practice for these few weeks is because it's a great way to know the voice of the Lord. It's a good way to know the voice and the wisdom and the call and the expectation that God has for us is memorizing scriptures, being able to hear the voice of the Lord. But whether or not you've decided to take on the challenge of memorizing Psalm 23, I do encourage you this week to consider this. What are you doing? What are you doing to make sure that you will indeed recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd? What are you doing to assure yourself that you will be able to recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd? What specific practice do you have or specific practice do you need to add to your life so that you can hear your Savior's gathering call? Do you spend enough time with him to know when he's speaking? There are, there are a lot of competing voices in, in, in the world today. There's a lot of things vying for our attention. We need to be sure that we can hear the voice, the only voice that really truly matters. We need to be able to hear the voice of Jesus. Because he is our good shepherd, we are blessed to be sheep in his flock. My hope and my prayer for all of you this week is that you hear his voice and that you follow his lead and that you enjoy the peace and the rest that only he can provide. This morning, we will come to the Lord's table together and celebrate communion. This is an extremely fitting place to seek the Lord, to get into his presence and to listen for his voice. We come as a community, whether we are physically here at the church or whether you're joining us online, we confess our need for God as a community, but we also speak to him as individuals, seeking our good shepherd who loves us and wants what's best for us. I encourage everyone to try and take a few moments and just clear your minds and prepare your hearts to connect with the Lord, even if in some small way, during this time that we share communion together. <clears throat> at our church, anyone who has confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and